As we prepare to hear the story of Nathaniel and his calling, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of John. This is a story unique to John's Gospel. It will be in chapter 1. And as you're doing that, let us pray. Oh God, allow us to hear your story yet again, contained in your scriptures, and the word preached aloud. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of us in this sacred place be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm starting in verse 43 of the first chapter of John's Gospel, reading through verse 51. I hope you can follow along. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses wrote in the law and the prophets also wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming up to him and said, Here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You will see greater things than these. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you'll see heaven open up. You will see angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The very first time I visited Memphis was about eight years ago as a college student. You see, I was in my third summer of serving as a young adult intern with the nonprofit ministry Project Transformation in Nashville, a city that I called my hometown, but I must admit I was very unaware of the realities of neighborhoods, only just a zip code away from me. I had already received a a call to ministry as a teenager. And so I had been studying in college and serving in ways that I thought would help that discernment process. I was excited now in my third year of of this program to not only serve children and their literacy needs, but also lead the college students in intentional Christian community. And I know some of you are familiar with Project Transformation because it came to Memphis in 2016. It was the first summer. And so I made that three-hour drive from my hometown of Nashville down here to see those students. We went to a Redbirds game together. I saw uh, their housing at Christian Brothers, and, and we made connection. As any good tourist does, guess where I went next? The Memphis Zoo. (laughs) A very strange thing happened at the Memphis Zoo. Do you know what a bongo is? Not the drums, the animal. 
For those who don't know, it's a nocturnal antelope whose natural habitat is in the African forest. Well, they have bongos at the Memphis Zoo, and their exhibits are a mix of muddy areas, muddy patches, and of course, plenty of trees for shade to make them believe that they're living in the forest. So I'm standing alone at this bongo exhibit, enjoying the shade as well in the summertime, trying to seek out these horned creatures who are quite fond of hiding, not seeing them anywhere. I find myself staring at one of these mud patches, daydreaming about how different life would be if I were to live out in some yonder place that had a bunch of mud patches, somewhere like East Tennessee where my mama grew up in Rockwood, some rural place far from the suburbs of my youth or the city that I now lived in. It was in this moment of not seeing what I was looking for that I believe God saw me. I say that because there was an overwhelming positive and an assuring message from the Spirit that I would be taken care of, that God was setting a path before me, and God knew exactly where I was to be, where I was to go, what context I might serve in. This was not an audible voice from God. Some people get that. Some people don't. This was not even a whisper in the wind. Not even a person next to me telling me God's message. This was just a feeling, or, or really what I can only describe as a divine encounter of the one who sees. The one who sees and hears and knows us. The one who knows us for who we really are and what we really dream and what we really hope for. Nathaniel says to Jesus, how do you know me? Jesus answered, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. This passage is rich with interpretation of what exactly Nathaniel was doing under that fig tree when he was supposedly seen. It's possible that Jesus saw him earlier that day, earlier that week. Maybe he saw him three years ago. What was he doing? Was he reading scripture or taking a nap? Was he dialoguing with a friend or doubting or discerning? Was he preaching or praying? And when Jesus let him know that he was seen, I wonder if he was embarrassed that, that he was seen. Or he was proud because he was doing something faithful. Whatever he was doing, I bet he had a lump in his throat. That feeling we get when somebody says, I've seen what you're up to. And the rabbi is giving him a knowing look. We can imagine Jesus in flesh is quite the people watcher, keen of his surroundings. He can remember somebody's name after the first time, unlike me. That's funny. You're supposed to laugh right there. <laughs> we can imagine that Jesus is charismatic, enticing, and intentional. And he's done some scouting of the men and women and even children that he is going to call to follow him. 
I saw you under the fig tree, Nathanael. I know you to be a devout man of faith, a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. You see, to a true Israelite, a fig tree might have at least two meanings. Those who study the scriptures and, and know the stories, there's this recurring motif, you've heard it before maybe, that of a man dwelling under God's vine and fig tree. We get this image in the Hebrew scriptures whenever life is good, whenever the world is at peace. Whenever Solomon was king, there was safety and everyone had their own vine and fig tree. Or the prophets imagine a future where God says, I'm coming, I will live among you. The nations will be joined together and every person will have their own vine and fig tree. You'll invite your neighbors to sit under the vine and fig tree. My personal favorite is Micah's prophecy where he says there's going to be war no more. We're going to turn, we're going to beat our swords into plowshares. We're going to turn our weapons of war into gardening hooks so that there can be enough for everybody. And no one will be afraid. Don't we need that promise from God right now? We, we need to stop from war and we need to create a community where everybody has enough. This is the vision of the prophets who remind us over and over again that there's enough land and shade and fruit where people can stay out from the cold, have shelter, have enough to eat. And we, we want all that so that we can have time to commune with God, where people can sit and enjoy God's presence. When Jesus cites Nathaniel's time under the fig tree, he might be hinting to this faithful Israelite that he's heard his prayers, his most hopeful and honest prayers for the Messiah. He's heard his prayers for peace, his prayers for a dream that every might, everybody might have peace as well. Jesus might be saying in so many words, I'm that one who has come to live among you. I'm that one who can remove sin and provide enough and bring peace to the nations. Have your fig tree, Nathaniel, but also come follow me. Other scholars suggest that the fig tree ought to remind us readers of the nakedness, sin, and shame of Adam and Eve in the garden. It is, after all, theorized that the fig leaves were what covered them up in their sin. Perhaps Nathaniel's time under the fig tree was one of confession, shame, or contrition. Both are compelling theories in either case. For Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, I see you, I know who you are, before we've even met, I know your prayers of thanksgiving, I know your prayers of confession, I see all of you, I see your belovedness, and I call you, something that is indeed astounding and transformative. Nathaniel can't help but profess right in that moment, Rabbi, you must be the son of God. You are the king of Israel. You're that one that we've been looking forward to. And so church, I wonder if um, as you were called to church or invited by a friend, maybe you were raised here, maybe your parents brought you to the church, 
Maybe um, you've been wondering if you should get baptized in the last couple of weeks have, have either gotten you remembering your own baptism or thinking about your calling. Before all of that happened, the Son of God was seeing you and was knowing you. Sometimes we notice God seeing us because we are in that, that posture of well, of seeing and seeking his face. We're in a, a season of discernment or prayer. But oftentimes, some play like me, I was not even paying attention, not even thinking about my discernment. I was just staring at a mud patch at the Memphis Zoo when God speaks. And it reminds me of what the psalmist says. You've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I get up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You scrutinize my path, my lying down. You're acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, Lord, you know it all. You've encircled behind me and in front of me and placed your hand on me. There's such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I can't comprehend it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? You're the one who's created me in my innermost parts, wove me together in my mother's womb. I sometimes call that Psalm 139 the Santa Claus Psalm because it sounds like that song. I know he knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. But instead of threatening, you better watch out, you better not cry, the gospel invitation is already this. God sees and loves us and invites us then to come and see. To come and see how good life can be as a disciple of Jesus Christ. To see not only our own lives be transformed, but to see transformation happening in our communities. Or as Jesus puts it, you'll see greater things than this. You haven't seen anything yet. Before this is over, you're going to see heaven open up and angels coming down and up and the Son of Man will be ascending again. Since my under the fig tree moment, or rather whatever tree casts upon that exhibit in the zoo, the Lord has been faithful in my sitting and my going, my thoughts and my hesitations, and the Lord has been familiar with my pathways. After college, I was led to experience a year of urban ministry and a teaching experience in West Philadelphia High School. And I know what you're thinking, can anything good come out of West Philadelphia? The invitation for me then as a young person was to come and see I was led to further my theological studies at Emory University and learn more through pastoral internships. Can anything good come from a United Methodist Seminary during a time of draining denominational division and then, oh yeah, a, a global pandemic? Come and see. In those three years, I was led to meet and then marry a compassionate talented, faithful United Methodist who was called to chaplaincy. Can anything good come out of West Virginia? <laughs> come and see, said Aaron. 
In doing so, we both followed a call that was both for our lives and a collective call as a clergy couple to the northeast side of Nashville for our first appointments. She could train at Vanderbilt, and I could serve the good people of Madison, Tennessee. Can anything good come from a neighborhood with high crime and struggling schools and such ethnic diversity where they say, don't go to the public park alone? Come and see. Because when we take the time to sit in a place or go to a new place at Christ's invitation, we discover that there are many great things still to be seen in our neighborhoods, in our cities, and among all people, no matter their background or the stereotypes against them. Can anything good come out of that side of Memphis? I most certainly believe so, because the most foundational claim in the Gospel of John is that the Word became flesh and lived among us. How good would it be for every person, for every one of our neighbors, to get the opportunity to sit under God's vine and fig tree and enjoy being fully known and fully loved? And what was a sudden and surprising mid-year appointment, as our uh, bishop and district superintendents discussed our move to Memphis, the reason we're here, yes, Aaron got a job, and yes, there was an associate position open at Emmanuel, but the reason we're here is to come and see what great things God is doing through the faithful here. I expect as a pastor among you to ask big questions together. What's my next step? What's our next step? Will my situation get better? How is the well-being of our church community or our neighborhood's community? Can this loss be restored? Will there be peace in this city? Will there be peace in the world? God, are you here? God, can you hear my prayers? God, do you see me? What does a faithful person like Nathaniel do next? What do I do next as a disciple of Jesus Christ? As we discern as disciples when to sit and when to go, Philip reminds us in this passage that we all need friends we all need fellowship to help us see what Jesus is doing next. And I can't wait to see where Jesus is working amongst us here at Emmanuel in Memphis. It is a deep joy of mine, a calling of mine, to be a pastor in the local church. But the greatest privilege, the greatest calling on my life is one I share with you, to be a disciple of Jesus. That in my sitting and in my going... I am seen, known, and loved by the one who sees and sets our path. Let us pray. God, you are the one who knows us most fully. And so we pause to give thanks and even to listen to where you direct us. That in our discipleship, we would start with the truth that you see us and love us, and from there, 
Help us to follow you so that all would have enough and we can enjoy your presence. All of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.